I really do. I just I look around here and Matt and Kathy, all the young lives that you guys are influencing. You know you guys got a great pastor, don't you? Him and his wife. Oh my goodness. Uh, I've been in this I've been in this now 35 years and I've uh, had the privilege of pastoring in Canada in the United States and uh, I I love what God is doing in this generation. I uh they they call me the pastor emeritus at um at Genesis now. I'm not sure what that means except it's for old guys. <laughs> and they let him keep the title as pastor because he's old and he's going to pass on soon and so uh, we'll get on with where we want to go. But uh, I love this house. I love the DNA of what God is doing here. And um, I want to say to you young people, if I could, that has nothing to do with my message, but you know when we sang that song, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness, uh, the older you get, when you establish your faith young with the Lord, like many of you are doing, when you establish your faith young, then you're like David when he came up against Goliath. And he said to King Saul, he said, Saul, the Lord that delivered me from the paw of the, or the mouth of the bear and the paw of the lion, he will deliver me from this giant. And that's what it means when, when you sing those songs. And as I was listening to your pastor as he was trying to get through that, what it is is we've tested the faithfulness of God. And God has been faithful every step of the way in our lives. And I learned that as a young boy. My mother, uh, her birthday was um, uh, April the 1st. My dad's birthday is today and my brother's birthday is today. My mother would have been 101. She was a mighty woman of God. And for whatever reason, she passed away about 26 years ago. And on her birthday, I was missing her so much. I, I'm, I'm 61 years old. I've got four of my own kids. They're married. I've got eight grandchildren. And I was missing my mom. And I was, my mom, did you get that M-U-M in Canada? Mom. Only in America, mom. The Australians and the Canadians and the English have it right. But anyways, I was missing her. And what I was missing about her is the prayers of, for her sons. And I used to call her every Sunday afternoon. And I'd call her and talk to her and say, because when you're pastoring, there's all kinds of things that go wrong and didn't go right through the week. And, you know, you have people in your church, you wish they'd go somewhere else. You ever had that? I mean... I had them all my life. Would you please go somewhere else? And I'd call my mother and I'd say, Mother, you wouldn't believe what happened to me this week. And I cannot believe they did that. And she would say to me, David, God's using those people to grow grace in your life. And they are grace growers. And I never forgot that as long as I lived. Now my son is a senior pastor at Genesis, and he comes into my little office. They got me in a little cubby hole now. I don't have the big office. And he says, Dad, I can't believe they did that. And I said, Tim, God has given you those people because you need grace in your life. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Acts chapter 3. Pastor Matt was telling me that you're spending some time on the Holy Spirit. And he called me up a few weeks ago and uh, said, how would you like to come to Genesis and preach on the Holy Spirit? Well, you don't ask a Pentecostal that. <laughs> I, I love, I love the, the idea of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I've given my life uh, to study the Holy Spirit and some other things uh, that God has really um, helped me with. And so when I was thinking about this service, I 
I was just thinking about your crowd and, and what it would entail here this morning. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments about how to walk, how to walk in the promise of the Father. And, and, and I'm going to try and take all the mystical out of it that I can. And there's a beautiful passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 3. It's a passage about, about Peter and John after the day of Pentecost. And, and uh, Matt will probably deal with who the Holy Spirit is and who the Holy Spirit is and how he works into our theology and, and down through history and, and what he does. But I want to talk to you about walking in the promise. But in Acts chapter 3, there's a beautiful passage that I love. And uh, I'm going to read out of the NIV. Oh, yeah, we've got it up there. Thank you. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called, uh, called Beautiful, uh, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, familiar passage of Scripture, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man, the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray if we could. Can we, Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. We thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day. We thank you that we can gather here God, I thank you for every person gathering in this house this morning. I pray, God, that you'll help us unveil your word. I, I, I pray that you'll give me clarity today. I pray, Father, that you'll help us to understand some of these precious nuggets of truth and help us to understand how to walk in this. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writing to the church of Galatia, he said this, So I say, walk by the Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is, what is contrary to the flesh. Now, this morning, well, let me just preface this. A, a few years ago, we were, we were walking our church through this whole uh, idea of trying to understand the promise of the Father. Do you know God gave you a promise? He's given you many promises, but, but Jesus gave the disciples a promise. And we find it in Acts chapter 1. It's a, it's a keynote passage for us so-called charismatic, classical Pentecostals, whatever you want to call us, third wavers. But it's a classic passage in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 where Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to go and wait for the promise of the Father. Now, that word wait, it's interesting, that word wait is, it means to earnestly seek or earnestly desire or that every day you get up, you're going to 
you're going to stretch forward. You're going to reach for what the Father had promised you. And Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. And when this promise comes, he says, you'll be endued with power and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth, which was Rome at that time. So several years ago, we were talking about this understanding how to live in the promise. And I want to come back to this about, about how to walk, how to walk in this promise and what it looks like in our everyday lives. Now, um, in 1998, I, um, I, I use myself as the greatest example after 35 years because I've been doing this for so long and, and I have so many things that the Lord has blessed me with. But in 1998, I was pastoring just outside of Toronto, Canada. Does anybody, has anybody ever been to Toronto, Canada? Anybody? Okay, great city. Anybody drank Tim Hortons coffee? So much better than Starbucks. I hate Starbucks, but Tim, I wish somebody would buy a franchise for Tim Hortons and put it here. I was in Toronto, Canada. I was pastoring just outside of the, the major city, the urban city, and this mighty revival took place called the Toronto Airport Renewal. A lot of you are young. You don't know it. God's moved on. Can I say that? God's moved on. But there was a mighty revival that touched the hearts and lives of, of the city of Toronto and the world. People were flying in from all over the world within a week to find out what was going on. The crowd was growing every night. And I just happened to be privileged enough to be pastoring about 20 minutes from this revival. And I was so hungry for the things of God. I was, I was desperate. I was beat up as a pastor. I wanted to get thrown out of the ministry. I, I was just so beat up and frustrated. I thought, God, where are you in this modern day? I, I don't see you moving. I'm frustrated with the church and my life and my family and everything. And it was me, really. And God's having this mighty revival at the airport fellowship in Toronto. And a guy that I was going to seminary with, we were working on a graduate degree together, he saw me. He was a missionary just coming back from Hong Kong. And he said, David, I've been praying for you. There's a revival going on at the airport, and you need to go over to it. To make a long story short, I went over to it, and, and God blasted my life. God literally blasted my life in that revival after pastoring for over 20 years. And I remember someone coming and saying to John Arnott, who was the leader of that great revival, he, they said to him, John, why is there a visitation or a manifestation? Why, why does God bring a visitation and a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and it remains in some places and then in other places it comes and it goes and the church goes back to church as usual. Like there's some club that meets on Sunday morning. And Arnott said something that I'll, I'll never forget. And I was in that meeting. He said, because the spirit always remains where there is a love for his presence. The spirit always remains where there is a love for his presence. And when I heard that as a, as a pastor who was halfway through my ministry and God was doing some things in my life, I said, God, if there's one thing I want, if there's one thing I want, even as a pastor that's pastoring this so-called uh, higher echelon church in our fellowship, I want to be hungry for your presence because your presence 
changes everything. And so for the last 20 years of my life, I've been a chaser of the presence of God. And I make no, I make no excuses for it. I make no apologies for it. Because after being in this, as long as I've been in this, I realize that God can do more with his presence in five minutes than most of us can do in 20. Now, coming back to this, this passage, it all sounds spiritual. But the real problem is, uh, the real problem is I don't believe when it comes to the theology of the Holy Spirit, God wants us to move away from a rational evangelical understanding, and that's what a lot of people have in evangelical circles, but neither, neither do I believe God wants us to move away from a response that engages our whole being. So here's the question this morning. How do we fulfill what Paul's talking about, okay, walking in the Spirit, in the context of what Paul's talking about, without drinking the Kool-Aid, all right? How do, we, how do we walk in the Holy Spirit? How do we have a greater revelation of why the Holy Spirit lives in us, wants to live in us, and we walk it out every day in our lives? Well, let me come back to Acts chapter 3. Because in Acts chapter 3, it's a perfect example of ordinary guys just like us starting to get an understanding of what the Holy Spirit's doing and wants to do in every day of our lives. Now, first of all, let me, I, I have a, about four points here, and, and you can write them down if you want. I'm sorry I don't have them on the overhead. My overhead girl got sick last night and couldn't, fi couldn't finish them up. But there's about four points I want to give you this morning. First of all, as I understand it, that walking in the Spirit, get this, walking in the Spirit becomes a natural part of our everyday lives. When you become a Christian, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And you take on a new lifestyle. You take on a, a new life that, that, that you begin to walk in a, in a realm that's pleasing to Christ, that's pleasing to God. Now it's interesting in Acts chapter 3, notice this in verse 1. It says, one day, I love that, one day Peter and John, notice this, they're going up to the temple at the same time of prayer at three in the afternoon, one day. It doesn't say what day, but why were they doing that? Because that's what, that's what good Jews did every day. They went to pray. This was what good first century Jews did, and even after they accepted Christ as Messiah, after the ascension of Jesus Christ, it doesn't tell us what day, it doesn't tell us how long it was after the ascension, but it says that one day, Peter and John are walking up to the temple, and they see this lame man. Now notice this, there's no TV cameras, right? There's no platform. There's no platform where people, are, they're recognized as the great apostles and the great faith healers. There, there's nothing spectacular about this day. And Luke, Luke records that it's just one day they're walking to the temple and they see this lame man that's brought to the temple every day. I, um, I, I, I like Bill Johnson. Anybody ever heard of Bill Johnson on Reading, California? Reading? Uh, 
Johnson puts it this way. He's a pastor out of a great church out there, and they have a school. Uh, they're connected with IHOP and all those guys from Kansas City. They're a great school for young people to come and do ministry. Phenomenal place. And, and Johnson said, he, he borrowed it from Watchman Nee, but he said this. He said, God is trying to teach us how to walk naturally supernatural. All right? God is trying to teach his church, even in our environment, in the sphere of life where we are. God is trying to teach us by the Holy Spirit to walk naturally supernatural. Now, now I was at a prophetic conference yesterday morning. A young lady from Australia was teaching this, Lynn Maurice, wonderful lady. I love Lynn. And she said something to me, uh, said something yesterday. She said, a lot of times we miss the supernatural because we're looking for the spectacular. And a lot of us in our everyday lives, God has called us to be supernatural. Why? Because he's a supernatural God. Come on. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the mountains and the stars. He created all this. Boy, you're talking about an argument for the existence of God, the teleological argument, the argument of design. Oh, my goodness. You ever seen a baby born? You mothers have, fathers have, this beautiful creation. And even when they're born deformed, you try to tell that mother that's just had that baby that her baby's deformed. No way. That baby is perfect in that mother's eyes. And so God is trying to teach us how we are to walk naturally supernatural. And that's exactly what was happening in Acts chapter 3. Where, 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 who are these guys? I mean, this is Peter that just a few days before denied that he was with Jesus. And now he's walking by the gate beautiful and something comes upon him called this promise of the Holy Spirit. And Peter realized that, wait a minute, I've got some authority here. Um, the second thing I want to bring out is that when you walk in the Spirit, here's something that I've learned, it awakens my natural senses. It awakens my natural senses. You know, I, um, I, I love this in Acts chapter 3. Now, a man who had been lame from birth was being carried to the temple uh, gate where he was put every day. Now, here, here's a question I, I have to ask myself and others is, what made this day different from any other? What was so special about this? Day? It was the same temple gate. It was the same beggar. The Bible tells us that they brought this man every day and they put him there. So, so it wasn't somebody new. So, so most likely, here's the thing, most likely Peter and John had seen this guy before. Most likely Peter and John had walked by this man and if they didn't see him, they heard him. Why? Because he's a beggar. And you know what beggars do? They beg. Right? Not like the guys who stand on the street corners and hold the signs and don't beg. You literally heard this guy because he made his living out of begging for whatever they had. Several years ago, I, um, I became very involved in the homeless ministry in this community. I've never been involved in the homeless ministry before because I... I didn't know much about the homeless ministry. I didn't know much about homeless people. 
My father brought me up with a work ethic, a work ethic that you work hard, you buy, you pay for. I was telling the kids over here the first car we ever owned. It was a 66 Rambler, <laughs> three on the tree. I was 14 years old. I stole it out of my dad's driveway. Me and, me and four, six buddies, we decided, we're 14, we decided to go to the drive-in. I hid four of them in the trunk of the car, five of them. We went to the drive-in, 14 years old, came back in the driveway. I was so small, I couldn't reach the brakes, and I drove the car right through the garage. True story. Guess who paid for the garage and the car? And I didn't get allowance. I cut grass. I shoveled driveways. I did all that stuff. Because my father brought me up with this work ethic that you work hard. You get a job. I love what, what, what Ron Sider said about the, the homeless. we got to teach them about Jesus. Give them Jesus and give them a job. Pretty good philosophy. But the reality of it is I was in a prayer meeting on a, on a Monday morning, and I come out of the prayer meeting, and I'm driving by McDonald's, and I see this guy standing there begging for money. I drove by this guy probably 100 times. I see him standing at the same spot at McDonald's over on the east side. His name is Scotty. I didn't know his name was Scotty. I didn't know he's one of the town's biggest drunks, but that's his name. His name's Scotty. You, some of you may have met him if you're out on the street. And I drove by him with this, with this self-righteous attitude, like, why don't you get a job? And the Holy Spirit spoke to my life because that's what he wants to do. He nudges us. He makes impressions upon our lives. That's how he speaks to us. And he says, David, why don't you turn around, go back to McDonald's, and buy that guy something to eat and give it to him? I've never done that before. I never thought about doing that before. I thought, well, why would I want to do that? I got to get to work. I, 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 I got to meet people. People, people are important in my job. I've got to meet them. I've got to, I've got to help them. I've got to counsel them. And there's a guy standing on the street corner that the Holy Spirit brought to my awareness. He, he, he brought my awareness alive that there are needs right around me. What am I saying? I'm saying, listen, you're, you're with people every day. You're with people every day, and the Holy Spirit wants to bring a check into your life. That person needs something, and I've got you in their life and in your sphere of life, and they're in your life because he's, he wants to use you in, to bring them to another level. That's what we do. The, when, when the Holy Spirit brings us into that awareness, that's what we do. We literally bring people to another level of where God wants them to go. In fact, it's... Uh, it's a spirit of expectancy. It's a spirit of discernment that God gives us. Third thing I learned about this is that walking in the spirit really increases my confidence level. I, um, I love it in Acts chapter 3, verse 4. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. Look at us. Now, that's not the response today, would it be? In fact, most people today, why, why is it that we are becoming a more private society? My, my wife and I were, were working out at the Y last night. There's a whole family, a whole family, no, no word of a lie, a whole family working out the Y, and they're all stretched. I hope you're not that family in this house this morning. <laughs> you might be. They're all stretching out flat on their backs, and every one of them, mom, dad, and two little kids, had their iPhones, and they are playing with texting, and I said to my wife, the, the family that texts together works out together. 
I mean, that's the society that we live in. Everybody has got their nose stuck in their iPhone or their iPad, and, 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 and we, we're becoming a silent society. Do you ever notice that? Do you ever notice that when you're walking down the street and you see a homeless person, you don't look at that homeless person. You don't want to make eye contact with that homeless person. Why is that? Because we're afraid they're going to ask us for something. We're afraid they're going to want something out of us, and we don't have for them what they need. You ever notice when you're in an elevator? I love it. Everybody gets in an elevator, and guess what? Everybody looks up. What's that all about? Instead of talking and conversing, we all look up because we can't wait to get off to the floor so we don't have to be around those people that were crowded around. But when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, as you grow in this thing called Christianity, you notice that there's more of an awareness. Young lady, can I say this to you? I love what God was doing in your spirit this morning in worship. You're growing in your awareness of where the Holy Spirit is going. I just want to bless you with that. And this whole, I've been in this house. The worship in this house is going to a whole new level. You know that? And it's a safe level. It's got to be a safe level because people have to come in and feel safe in the presence of God. It's not cuckoo, it's not nuts, it's not out of control, it's beautiful. Let me tell you something, what's in this place, I've been in lots of churches, what's in this place right now is refreshing to me because I'm seeing God taking this to a whole new level and he's not just taking the worship team, he's not just taking the pastor. Pastor Matt said it well. They're the band, you're the worshipers. He's bringing you along together. You know what that is? That's an awareness of the presence, the holiness, the glory of God is being manifested in the house. That's why you're here. You're not here because it's a great band. There's lots of great bands. I've got musicians. They're in my house. I've seen lots of great bands. I've been on platforms with lots of great bands. But when there's an awareness of the Holy Spirit, when there's an awareness of God's presence is in the house, it draws people. It draws, And people want to worship. Even people that are not used to worshiping have never been in a charismatic setting before. They know that I've got to do something with my hands. There's something about my hands. They automatically want to go up. Yeah, yeah, you know what that is? That's God. What is it that I've never been in a service like that and my hands want to go up? That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. He's making you aware that he's working in your life. So why this day than any other day? I love it in Luke chapter 10, verse 70. The 70 are sent out and they come back with report. Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But the problem throughout history, here's the problem. In the early years, we put too much emphasis on the charisma of the person that was at the front. Now the problem in the latter years is that we've downplayed the charisma. We've downplayed the spirit. We've downplayed the power in search of a theology. Can I say this? Bill is coined it. Well, John said, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. The Holy Spirit is perfect theology. And so, therefore, God is trying to make us more aware. Now, here's the last point I want to give you, and I close. I've noticed in my life there's been great levels of faith and other times there hasn't been great levels. And, and I, I've also noticed that when I begin to walk 
in this, what we would call this anointing or this fullness or this presence, my faith level, not only my natural confidence level, but my faith level rises. A runner calls it their PR. How many runners do we have? Personal, personal record. Trying to beat your personal record. When, I, when I'm ministering, when I'm ministering in different situations, my faith level rises when I know that the blessing of God is upon my life. And I'm going to trust you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to trust you that this promise that you promised me, I'm going to walk in it today. This isn't just something I'm going to take for granted, but God, you promised me your Holy Spirit. You promised me your Holy Spirit would walk with me today. So why is that? Because God has things for us to do. In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, Peter says, Silver and gold I have none, but such as I have, I want to give you. I am... come to a season in my life where I'm spending a lot more time with young people. I don't know what that's all about. I am ministering now not as a pastor of a church, but more in a spiritual fathering area of my life where I've had the awesome privilege of, of pastoring in Canada and the United States. I've also had the awesome privilege of being in five continents of the world and preaching in several different countries. And over those years, God gives you spiritual children, spiritual, because whatever reason, they just gravitate towards you and you become a spiritual father. My wife is a spiritual mother to them. I was with a bunch of young men in Ghana, West Africa last summer, and we were just talking about the ministry. We had the privilege of ordaining Seven of them to the ministry. They're all church planters, planting in Ghana, West Africa. General superintendent of the Assemblies of God's a good friend of mine. He wants to plant. They have 3,000 churches in Ghana, West Africa. 3,000 churches. And his goal in the next five years is to plant 3,000 more churches. We are planting. Genesis is a planting a church in Tamal, Ghana, West Africa. We're, we're jumping on board with them to plant a church. We already have a couple that are going to go in there and pastor that church. What do we have to do with God of West Africa? Well, well, God raises your faith uh, level because now here, here I, I don't want to spook you out and, and thank you, Matt, for trusting, but I've come to the place now in my ministry where when I step foot on a continent, when I step foot in a country, God gives me that country. It's not just me. I understand that there's many people, but I have, I have, there's, there's a, there's a people, there's a place, there's a ministry, there's a, there's something in my life that God wants to, first of all, he wants to impart into me, and secondly, he wants me to impart. That's why young people, uh, you got to get involved in short-term missions. You have to get involved in, because when you step onto another, another country and you feel that God has placed you there, let me tell you, the, the heavens open up for you. I love taking young people on these mission trips because the heavens open up and I realize that I'm in a whole new element now where God is using me and there's great faith and there's some lessons that I've learned over the last 35 years. Number one is that anything the Holy Spirit uh, and, and his gift, uh, whenever there's an anointing or a moving of the Holy Spirit and his gift, it's never, it's never about me. 
It's always about a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. When I say, God, I want to walk in more of you, it's not for me to be recognized. It's so he will be recognized. It's so that Jesus Christ will be recognized. And his glory will be shone through wherever we are. That's the first lesson I've learned. And it took me a while to get that through my thick head, but it's never about us. So, so just get that out of the way altogether. Even when you come to the Lord and say, God, I want more of you. Why do you want more of me? Because I want to give more of you away. I want to give it away. And you work best from the overflow. I pray with people all the time. I'm in ministry all the time. I work best from the overflow. That's why Jesus had to come apart with the Father so he could receive more of what the Father had to pour into him. The second thing I've learned is every Christian has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in your anointing and your armor. Don't cheat yourself out of that. Some of you are young. Some of you are here for the first time. Some of you may not even know what's going on. You've been invited by a friend and you're saying, why am I sitting in the Boys and Girls Club on a Sunday morning listening to this maniac? And what happens is we cheat ourselves. Woe is me, Gideon, I'm not good enough. I can't do this, I can't do that. You don't know my family. Oh, really? You haven't seen my family. They're all dysfunctional. We all come from dysfunction in our lives, don't we? But God has called us. He's called every one of us as young people. He set a seal upon you and God got a place for you. Now, now it's not just young people because it's a generational move of God. That's a beautiful thing. I feel like God wants to do more with my life now at 61 years of age than I've ever done before. And it's up to me to reach out and take it. So when somebody says, Dave, I want you to come to Africa or I want you to come to China, if I believe it's God, I'm going to take the opportunity and get there. I don't care how. I'm going to get there because God's got an impartation for my life and he wants me to impart something else to their life. What is that? That's your faith level rising. See, some of you here are called to preach the gospel. Some of you here are called to be missionaries. Some of you are here are called to be um, marketplace evangelists. You know why you're at Kelly School Business? To make more money? Not. You know why you're at one of the best schools in America? Because God wants to take the gifts that he's given you and put you into the marketplace and make you five-fold ministry understanding. He wants to make you an apostle to the marketplace. He wants to give you favor in the marketplace. He wants to give you favor on the mission field. He wants to raise your faith level so you can believe God. You can take a guy or a girl just like me and use me. And then in our latter years, oh my goodness, in our latter years, I just started a group at Genesis called Connect 55. You can't get into it unless you're 55 years or over older. We got bouncers at the door. Don't even try to get into it. We're tired of all you young people having all the fun. 
And I'm going to tell you, there is a, there's a hunger in my life at this season to mentor and disciple older people that have sort of drifted and walked along and done what they're supposed to do and served by the rules and there's been a calling on their life and they've never fulfilled their calling. They've let everybody else do it. And now I'm talking to them about going to Africa, going to China, going to the Ukraine. My wife takes a group of older ladies to the Ukraine every year. We're working with a girl in Beijing, China, Stacy Hayes, a young girl from Reno, Nevada, studied under Jackie Palaskis in Hong Kong. She's been in Beijing. She literally, I'm the chairman of her board now, she literally, she steals girls, young, young girls that are being human trafficked, from Cambodia and Vietnam, she's stealing them back from the traffickers, putting, the, putting them into a safe house, training them, discipling them, and then taking them back to their homes in Cambodia and Vietnam. And those girls are becoming preachers of the gospel. Don't tell me this is an exciting day to live. This is an amazing day to live, but it's up to us to sell out to God. It's up to us to say, God, here we are. I don't know what you're going to do to me for me. I don't have much to give, but here I am, and whatever I have, Holy Spirit, I want more of you because I want to walk in this promise. And it gets better as you get older. It really does. It gets better as you get older. Christianity, walking, where God wants you to go, when I think of the future, I mean, come on, there's more than 120, right? 120 changed the world. More than 120 in here this morning. What a bright future. What a bright future. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Dave, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know anything about God. I don't know anything about Christ. I don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I'm just here because a friend invited me. No, that friend invited you because they were being led of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has you right where you are. And before you leave this place this morning, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, let me tell you something. You've got a bright future ahead of you. God made you in his image, in the image of God. He's got such a future for you. You're not here by chance. And after this service, if you want to come and talk to me or talk to Pastor Matt or Pastor Kathy, we want you to do that, and we will just help you find Jesus Christ. But for the rest of us, here's what I'd like you to do this morning. I've asked Matt if I could do this. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you for being so patient. I love coming to this house. I just love sitting and listening and watching. And I, I, I'm excited. Matt and I, we've met together. We've prayed together. We've counseled together. I am so excited about your future. I've said this before over this house. Bloomington needs Exodus more now than it's ever needed to before. Bloomington needs Exodus right here in the downtown, downtown core more than we've ever needed it before. I am totally behind what God is doing in this place. I, I am so excited about it. But here's what I want you to do. Would you help me out here? I, I, I know I'm, a, I'm taking my liberties, but old classical Pentecostals, we're too old and too senile. We don't know any better. There's a thing called being receptive, okay, and just honoring God. And when you stick out your hands like this, what you're saying is, God, whatever you have for me, I want. And all over this house this morning, would you do me a favor? 
Would you stick out your hands like that in the receiving mode? It's a mode of receiving. You don't have to put it way up here, okay? You know how you get rid of the charismatics in a room? You lower the ceiling fans. <laughs> okay, so you just, just like this, just, and what I want to do is I want to pray over you. And I want you to be receptive and say yes to God. Yes to Holy Spirit. Whatever you have for me, I'll do. Whatever you, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. But let me pray over you now. Father, I, I just thank you for this precious, precious people. I thank you for this house. I thank you for the working of your Holy Spirit that's already been in this place. Father, I thank you for these lives that are here saying yes to you, God. First of all, I pray for those that have never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll come now. I pray you'll forgive them of their sin, cleanse them of their unrighteousness, and God, heal their hearts today. I pray, Father, that this will be a brand new day. And God, when they walk out of this place this morning, they will walk out changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Father, I pray for every person here that has their hands raised to you. Father, I pray that you will pour into those hands everything that they need to do the ministry that you've called us to do. I pray for an open heaven over your people this morning. I pray, Father, there will be such favor on every person in this house. I pray, Father, that when we walk out of this place, they will realize that God, the awareness of what's going on around them, the confidence level, the faith level. Father, those areas, those, those what we would think are natural, natural characteristics are really not natural at all. They're supernatural. They're just working in a natural way. And God, I pray that when we walk out of here this morning, I pray, Father, that you'll use us to bring the life of Christ into every person around us this week. Bless these hands. Bless these cups. We say more, Lord. More of you. Less of us. More of you. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. We uh, finish every, well, never see, we finish every Sunday next week. We take communion. And... Uh, say it is this, uh, it's the high point of what we do, what we, what Jesus told us to do. Here's how we do it at Exodus. We'll sing a few more songs. As soon as we start singing, you're invited to come on up. We don't insist by